What's up, everyone from all around the world, including Canada, USA, areas of Long Island, plus the five boroughs of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, Queens. I'm here to help and guide you about Anchor. Anchor is a free hosting site and phone app, which is owned by Spotify. It's the easiest, awesome way to make a podcast. Why are you wasting your money paying for a hosting site to promote your podcast with limited storages? Forget about it. Let me break it down to you. There's creation tools that allow you to record, edit, monetize, distribute your podcast. Of course, add music intros, outros, uploading episodes with unlimited storages of your podcast right from your phones, computers, laptops, and tablets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Plus, you get sponsorship. Isn't that great? It's everything you need to make a podcast, including the listeners supporting your show. Like I always say, if you have a dream of creating and becoming a podcaster host, like myself and individual friends that is co-hosting with me, go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get a head start. Take advantage of the opportunity that's thrown in your face. If I could do it and reach success, so can you. I'm G Money Stacks. Thank you for listening. Let's go.
Hey, good evening, USA, Canada, all over the world. Long Island, a.k.a. Strong Island, plus the fly spots of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, Queens. I'm your man, G-Money Stacks, a.k.a. the Greginator, the misunderstood lonely nomad, the unstoppable independent podcaster, host with the most, and, of course, YouTuber and rookie podcaster of Queens, New York. And you are now listening and tuning in and rocking with Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast, episode 60, live and direct from YouTube, StreamYard, and alongside with the Instagram live feed, which is the show's page. Make sure you tap the notification bell so you you can be reminded of when I'm going to be on Instagram live recording the podcast. Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast is the name of the show, which is the review show. Um... And um and yeah, um I do want to apologize actually for not recording episode 60, um, which I will get to the mental health check-in in a second, but um <clears throat> please be sure to grab that subscribe button on the Meticulous Vajus podcast um YouTube channel page. Tap the notification noti- bell so you could be reminded when the show goes in the air via live stream. Alongside with leaving a like and a comment, leave um leave a review. Don't forget to rate five stars. Um, don't forget to stay tuned for more video more um video content, upcoming episodes, previous episodes, and of course, for the most part, don't forget to. Share the episodes, download the episodes, folks, and of course, <clears throat> tell a friend to another friend, and I'll handle the rest of the audio streaming platforms on the go at the end of the show. Now, <clears throat> I do need to apologize for delaying episode 60. Um, mentally, physically, and spiritually, I was pretty much all over the place um because of the f- the simple fact that I've been trying so hard to actually, you know, try to not even so much about putting myself out there, but more like, you know, searching for, um, you know, individuals who want to, you know, be a guest co-host who want to be um, a regular co-host part time. Now, doesn't doesn't mean you have to be in every episode, you know what I'm saying? Um, for the most part, um, a lot of people don't understand that doing podcast episodes by myself, is not, it's not as easy as it seems. It's very difficult. It's more difficult than having, um, people to share your laughs, thoughts, and talks about certain things and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and yeah. That's pretty that's pretty much what I wanted to actually say on there. I just wanted to address this. And of course, this is um of course um mental health check-in awareness month is is around the corner. I will be doing that on my other show off the Meat Rack Change New York podcast. And and by the way. You don't have to wait every year for Mental Health Awareness Month and Mental Health Day to actually reach out to 
the people you care about, like you have your husbands, your wives, your boyfriends, your girlfriends, your your friends, and the people that you're cool with and stuff. You don't need to. You, you don't have to wait on a yearly basis, and there is no good time to actually reach out to somebody. Um, <clears throat> there is no good time to reach out to somebody. It's all about you following your mind, your soul, your heart, your instincts. And of course, the most important key into into speaking to somebody is you know having confidence. You know, practice in the mirror on 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 how confident you are. Now, this what I mean by that. It doesn't necessarily mean about you know fancy looks. It's all about being your. It's all about being your excellent self. You know what I'm saying? That's what stands out. So, anyway, um, we're gonna get into um this um we're gonna get into a segment that I actually tried to actually actually made this not too long ago, and this is the we're gonna review some old school um video games today in this episode and i am going to review the you are glowing podcast so let's start off with the video game chamber shall we and i'm going to queue up the the theme And of course, you know, this is the segment where I get the chance to review games, not just the PlayStations, the Xboxes, and 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 stuff like that. I am, however, going to do some gaming news for this segment right here. In case I don't have any um music artists to actually talk to talk about and review, I am going to be doing some gaming news in 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 future episodes. So, so stick around for that one right there. So here we go. Um, our first review is an old school game that I used to play on. I'm pretty sure everybody knew about Super Nintendo NES, right? There's this one racing game that kind of caught my attention, and it's F-Zero. So here we go. All right, so so check this out. F Zero is a series of futuristic um, racing video games originally created by Nintendo EAD, with multiple games developed by outside companies. The first game was released for the Super, um, what is it, Super Famicom in Japan in 1990, and and along with North America's Super Nintendo Entertainment System in 1991. Its success prompted Nintendo to create multiple sequels on subsequent gaming consoles. And of course, this is uh, okay. There's so this is um, racing vehicle combat. No combat. Excuse me. Nintendo EAD and and NDQ. Wait, Nintendo. Wait, hold on. ND Cube, amusement video, no, amusement vision, 
um, Suzak Incorporated, and of course, this is published by Nintendo. And of course, you you get you get the gist of this. So, um, it came out November twenty first, nineteen ninety. I was little by then, um, and I'm not too familiar with um F Zero on Climax. I haven't played that game actually. Um, the series is known for its high speed racing characters and settings, difficult gameplay, and original music, as well as for pushing tech technological technological limits to be one of the fastest racing games the original title inspired the creation of games such as daytona usa and the wipeout series the series has been um dormant since the release of f-zero climax in 2004 japan in japan although elements of the series have been represented in other nintendo video games most notably the Super Smash Brothers and Mario Kart franchises. Past installments have been um, emulated across multiple Nintendo consoles with the virtual console service. The original F-Zero is one of the selected games emulated on the Super NES Classic Edition. F-Zero is one of the launch titles for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Nintendo Switch Online Collection was released on September 5th, 2019. Okay, um, let me see. Yeah, hold on a minute here. All right, so. Yes. So F-Zero is a futuristic view racing video game developed by nintendo ead and published by nintendo for the super nintendo entertainment system um the game was released in japan on november 21st 1990 in north america in august 1981 and in europe in 1992 um f-zero is the first game of the f-zero series and was a launch title for super the Super NES. It was emulated for the virtual console service on very various Nintendo platforms over the years and as part of the Super NES Classic Edition in 2017. Okay. So, the game takes place in the year 2560. Yeah, 2560. Um, where multi-billionaires and lethargic Lifestyles created a new form of entertainment based on the Formula One races called F Zero. The player can choose between one of four characters in the game, each with their respective hover car. The player can race against computer controlled characters in 15 tracks divided into three leagues. F Zero has been acknowledged by critics as one of the greatest video games of all time. As well as, as well for setting the standard for the racing genre and the creation of its futuristic subgenre. Um, critics lauded F Zero for its fast and challenging gameplay, variety of tracks, and extensive use of the graphical mode called Mode Seven. Not sure what that is, but hold on. <clears throat> 
Okay, Mode 7 is a graphics mode on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System video game console that allows a background layer to be rotated and scaled on a scan line by scan line basis to create many different effects. The most famous of these effects is the application of a perspective effect on a background layer by scaling and rotating the background layer in this manner. Um, this transforms the background layer into a two-dimensional horizontal texture map plane that trades height for depth. Thus, an impression of three-dimensional graphics is achieved. Mold 7 it was one of Nintendo's prominent selling points for the Super NES platform in publications such as Nintendo Power. Well, and Super NES Player Guide. Similar uh, for 3D techniques have been presented on a two, excuse me, few 2D systems other than the Super NES in select peripherals and games. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm Nintendo Power. Hmm. Yeah. Alright, I'll probably review that some other time. Uh, so, it's function, right? The Super NES console has eight graphics um, modes, numbered from 0 to 7. For displaying background layers, the last one, background um, mode 7, has a single layer that can be scaled and rotated. This graphical method is suited to racing games and is used extensively for the overworld sections of role-playing games such as Square's 1984 game Final Fantasy VI. The effects enables developers to create the impression of sprawling worlds that continue toward the horizon. A particular um, utilization technique with Mode 7 allows pixels of the background layer to be in front of sprites. Examples include the second and fifth stage of um, Contra 3, The Alien Wars, um, I ain't really like that game that much, so I'm not even gonna go there. Um, the second and fifth stage of Jim Power, um, The Lost Dimension in 3D. The introduction screen of Tiny Toon Adventures bust, a bust loose when a player falls off the stage in Mario Kart. <laughs> Some cinematics in Super um, Metroid. And in some boss battles in um, Super Mario World, um, formula most seven graphics are generated for each pixel by mapping screen coordinate to background coordinate, are using an affine transformation and sampling the corresponding background color. The 2D affine transformation is specified for each sub no, excuse me, scan line by six parameters, A, B, C, and D, define the matrix M, while R, no, hold on, I'm not sure what that is, so, while, um, while X, what is it, I don't know, I think it's, uh, anyway, while, while X, oh, and, um, 
while XO, X0, and Y0 define the, the vector R0. Locates the origin of the matrix transformation is and is related to a translation vector. Specifically, screen coordinate R is translated to the origin coordinate system the matrix is applied, and the result is translated back to the original coordinate system to obtain R. In 2D matrix notation, this is written as um, R equal M plus, plus R0. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the whole arithmetic shit, though. Um, all arithmetic is carried out on 16-bit sign fixed, fixed point numbers. While all offsets are limited to 13 bits, the radix point is between bits 7 and 8. Two-dimensional affine transformations can produce any combination of translation, scaling, reflection, rotation, and shearing, and nothing else. However, many games create additional effects by setting a different transformation matrix for each scan line. In this way, pseudo-perspective, curved surface, and distortion effects can be achieved. And, of course, this is the limits. Um, Mold 7 can only work on backgrounds, not, sp not sprites. Therefore, any object that does not rotate on scale with the background must be a sprite, even items that would normally be thought of as part of the background, such as fixed platforms. The game developer must create a sprite with the same appearance as that object. For instance, in Super Castlevania 4, battles in which a large boss such as um, um, Coronat <laughs> rotates have the mobile um, boss implemented as the background while the blocks on which the protagonist stands are sprites. With the obvious enhancements, this is this this is similar to how some NES games feature battles against a giant movable boss with without the slowdown and flicker inherent in a large sprite set by making the boss the background and then moving and animating it. Both sy both systems examples can up only apply to objects in the horizontal plane of the moving object. For instance, a floor, ceiling, or scoreboard can remain part of a background in both the NES and Super NE and excuse me, SNES, which is Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Um Examples as long as they are completely above or below the field of gameplay. They can also be turned into sprites if the whole screen is needed. This, But this can cause slowdown. The fact that Mode 7 cannot be used on sprites um, means that 
Each size of an approaching sprite for a given distance has to be pre-dawn, meaning that one would see sprites jump between a limited number of sizes when approaching them. This can be seen in Super Mario Kart and Hyper Zone whenever an object approaches or when walking um, vertically on the Final Fantasy VI map with an airship in view. Similarly, the appearance of sprite rotations must be handed through pre-drawing unless they are done with hardware included in the game cartridge, such as the Super FX2 chip. As with Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, a notable workaround does not excuse me, does exist and can be seen in Contra 3, the Alien Wars. Alien Wars, I'm not even going to even, um, yeah, I'm not even going to even bother reviewing that. <laughs> um, in the second boss battle in, and in Super Mario World, in the battles against Raisner, Iggy, Larry, Morton, Ludwig, Roy, and Bowser. In these examples, the boss is a background and therefore rotates through mode 7. And the scoreboard, which is above the field of play, is also a background, but the floor of the battle's cracks are, as with the players and gunfire sprites that are redrawn under various rotations as the player rotates. However, this only allows one sprite to be manipulated at once. One, exec one exception um, to most seven-like effects on sprites handled neither by pre-drawing nor by external chips occurs in Tales of Fantasia and Star Ocean, where re-rendering of sprites on the fly is done entirely by the software. In Tales of Fantasia, the player sprite vertically stretches upon walking onto a safe spot. And in Star Ocean, items are squashed when popping out of an open treasure chest. Due to the extra tiles needed for such rendering and the other high system demands throughout those games, um, such rendering was limited to those few scenes. The Sega Genesis has no hardware hardware native feature comparable to Mode 7. However, as in Tales of Fantasia and Star Ocean Sprite effect add-ins, some comparable technical feats were programmed entirely in software seen in games such as um, Dick um, Vitales. Vit <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, college hoops and zero tolerance <laughs> can't believe his first name I'm not surprised by this person's first name compared to Dick Tracy <laughs> although there is no hardware native feature comparable to mode 7 in the um, Amigma Amiga. some of its games use 
um, programming tricks that resemble the effects of Mole 7. For example, in Mr. Nuts. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Hopping Mad, Lionheart, um, um, Ob, Abitus, Abitus, Abitus is his name, <laughs> and Brian the Lion. Oh Lord. Okay, two PPU chips and the Super NES used to two eight bit thirty two kilobyte RAM chips. One PPU can access the tile map. Of course, this is uh, one twenty eight times one twenty eight tiles and uh other pp ppu can access the tile set 256 tiles eight times eight eight times eight pixels in tw 256 colors in a single cycle so there you go right there i wanted to actually i wanted to educate the people who didn't really know what most seven is so i had to break it down and I had to look it up, so let's continue with the uh, with the thing right here. All right, let's go over the gameplay here. Hold on a second. All right, let's go over the gameplay. Hold on a second. Where did I even? Oh, I'm <clears throat> sorry about that. This graphics rendering technique was an innovative technique technological achievement at the time that made racing games more realistic, the first of which was F-Zero. Um, as a result, it is created for reinvigorating the, the genre and inspiring the future creation of numerous racing games. In retrospective reviews of the game, critics agreed that it should have used a multiplayer mode. Okay. Now for the gameplay, F-Zero is a futuristic um, racing game where players compete in a high-speed racing tournament called F-Zero. There are four F-Zero characters that have their own uh, selectable hover car along with its unique performance abilities. The objective of the game is to beat opponents to, finish, to the finish line while avoiding hazards such as slip zones and magnets that pull the vehicle off center in an effort to make the player damage their vehicle or fall completely off the track. Each machine has a parameter which serves as a measurement of the machine's durability. It decreases when the machine collides with landmines. The side of the track are another vehicle. Um, energy can be replenished by driving over pits areas placed along this, the home straight or nearby. A race in F-Zero consists of five laps around the track. The player must complete each lap in a successively higher place to avoid disqualification from the race. For each lap completed, the player is rewarded with an approximate four-second speed boost called the Super Jet and a number of points determined by place. An on-screen display will be shaded green to um, indicate that a boost can be used. However, the player is limited to saving up to three at a time. 
if a certain number of players are um, accumulated, an extra spare machine is acquired that gives the player another chance to retry the course. Tracks may feature two methods for temporarily boosting speeds, jump plates, launching vehicles into the air, thus um, providing additional acceleration for those not at full speed, and dash zones greatly increases the race's speed on the ground. Um, F-Zero includes two modes of play. In the Grand Prix mode, the player chooses a league and races against other vehicles through each track in that league while avoiding disqualification. The practice mode um, allows the player to practice even those seven, seven, seven of the, of the courses from the Grand Prix mode. F-Zero has a total of 15 tracks um, divided into three leagues ordered by increase, increasing difficulty, Knight, Queen, and King. Furthermore, each league has four selectable difficulty levels, Beginner, Standard, and Expert, and Master. The multiple courses of Deathwind, Port Town, and Red Canyon have a pathway that is not accessible accessible unless the player is on another iteration of the tr those tracks which then in turns in turn closes the path previously available unlike most f-zero games there are three iterations of mute city that shows it in either a day evening or night setting in BS F02, Mute City 4 continued the theme with an early morning setting. Okay. Um, all right. <clears throat> F0 is set in the year 2560 when humanity's multiple encounters with alien life forms have resulted in the expansion of our social framework. They should they should have made a TV show off of this. They should have made a TV show out of this though, man. It would have been a lot more interesting compared to that fucking Halo. Um this led to commercial tech technological and cultural interchanges between planets. The multi-billionaires who earned their wealth through intergalactic trade were mainly satisfied with their lifestyles although most coveted more entertainment in their lives this resulted in a new entertainment base on the formula one races to be funded no founded um rather with vehicles that could hover one foot above the track these grand prix races were soon named f-zero after a rise in popularity of the races excuse me give me one second folks need take a sip stay with me all right um yeah what were we saying Okay. 
The game introduced the first set of F-Zero races, Captain Falcon, Dr. Stewart, Pico, and Samurai um, Goro. IGM claimed Captain Falcon was thrust into the limelight in this game since he was the star character. An eight-page comic was included in its SNES manual that carried the reader through one of Captain Falcon's bounty missions. Hmm. Yes, and um. Yes, and I already discussed what Mold Seven is. I'm not even going to get into the development aspects. So let's get into um the reception. So we have the aggregator and the score, game rankings. Um, eighty three percent for S N E S and the Wii. Um, publication Ace, eighty four eight forty out of one hundred. Um. S N E S C V G 90% um Famitsu um 37 out of 40 and 36 out of 40 GameSpot 8 out of 10 for the Nintendo Wii. I'm sorry for the sorry about that. Hold on a minute. Hold on, I don't know what's going on here.
Yeah, sorry about that. Um, just give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Okay. Sorry about that, folks. I had to refresh the page. I don't know what's going on with the internet, but I managed to get it back. So I am back. So um, where did I leave off? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So, all right. So released in 1996, the original San Francisco Extreme Racing features the um, three tracks that take place in San Francisco, California, and eight playable vehicles. San Francisco Rush Extreme Racing is the first game to use Atari Games Flagstaff Engine. Excuse me. Released in 1997, San Francisco Rush The Rock was a ROM update for the original game, allowing arcade owners to extend the life of the original cabinet. The update brought four tracks including the Alcatraz track and four new cars. The arcade cabinet is seen in one chip no excuse me one clip in the music video for um, Lens Steal My Sunshine. Released in 1998 San Francisco Rush The Rock Wave Net is the third and final installment of San Francisco Rush. It's an updated version of The Rock with support for online multiplayer. Rush was ported to the Nintendo 64 in 1997. This conversion contains six tracks, with two of them contain secret stunt courses, plus one hidden track from both San Francisco Rush, Extreme Racing, and San Francisco uh, Rush The Rock Alcatraz Edition. The regular um, tracks can be run in either reverse or uh, married modes and featured added collectible hidden keys throughout the track that can be used to unlock hidden vehicles. Most of the original cars appeared in this conversion, but some from San Francisco, excuse me, San Francisco Rush. The Rock Alcatraz Edition are not present. The conversion contains a practice mode and a death race mode where all cars that crash during a race remain on the track in a wreck, thereby ending the game if the player crashes. The Nintendo 64 port of Rush also includes a circuit mode and a save system for fast times, circuit progress, and hidden keys that the player can find on secret spots to unlock new cars. San Francisco Rush, the Rock Alcatraz um, edition was presumed to be ported to the Nintendo 64 for release in 1998, but advertisements included in the box of the Nintendo 64 version stating the game was on coming fall 1998 for Nintendo 64 were later reported to be an error. The advert was actually um, intended solely for the arcade version, which includes all of the tracks that were already in the Nintendo 64 version. Sony PlayStation. Rush was ported to Sony PlayStation in 1998, 
This conversion contains three tracks plus an exclusive bonus track. None of the original music from the arcade version is present, and the announcer voice has been notified, but some of his voiceover is included in the game. Some of the modes from the Nintendo 64 port are included. The Death Race mode was renamed Extreme Race, and Circuit Mode was included, but the with with fewer tracks. There are two exclusive modes: the GP mode, which is Grand Prix, where the player plays ten races to earn points, depending on where he she. Uh, finished and the explosive mode which is a single race where the player's car will um go ablaze and end the game if it goes under 60 miles per hour the playstation version has all eight original cars but um none of the san francisco rush um the rock alcatraz edition cars the gameplay is also different from the arcade version the as the gravity is higher than the arcade version, um, reducing the jump airtime and steering and the steering sensitivity was also um, modified. Other points in San Francisco Rush the Rock Alcatraz edition was released on PC exclusively with the Quantum 3D Raven video card. And was designed to run only on that specific card. It can, however, run on more um, modern video cards through the use of modified X's and a glide wrapper for glide support. It is a near-perfect conversion of the arcade game, although it suffers from several collision detection issues and other bugs. San Francisco Rush was planned to be ported to the Game Boy Color, but the project was canceled. A prototype was discovered and released in January 2022. San Francisco um Rush the Alcatraz edition was ported but was ported to Midway Arcade Treasures 3 in 2005 for the GameCube, PlayStation 2, and Xbox, and a similar version is also included in the Midway arcade treasures deluxe edition for the pc the arcade treasures version is a recreation of the original game with a new physics engine and sound changes the game's audio was replaced entirely with a new announcer voice uses uh, remixed or altered music tracks and has completely different sound effects this version received heavy criticism by fans for the alterations made to the audio uh, along with the new physics engine that was reported to be buggy and therefore would mess up the gravity in the game. The PC version had a critical bug where the car would go over 200 miles per hour and then blow up if gas was held on without braking. All right, so reception. Um, game rankings 39%. Um, that's PlayStation 1, 83% for um, Nintendo 64. Um, publication, um, all game is 
okay, they gave um, Nintendo 64 um, four and a half stars. PlayStation 1, one star. EGM, 6.75 out of 10. Game Fan, 234 out of 300. Game Pro, 16 out of 20. Um, GameSpot, 7.1 out of 10. IGN, 8.9 out of 10. Next Generation, 4 stars. ARC, um, 5 stars for um, N64. Nintendo Power, 7.8 out of 10. Player 1, 70%. PS1, Super Game Power, 3.8 out of 5. PS1, Planet Station, 3.5 out of 5. PS1. Um, San Francisco Rush was a major hit in arcades and was cited as a combat title, restoring Atari Games' fortunes as an arcade game developer. Next Generation received the arcade version of the game, rating it four stars, but no, four stars out of five, excuse me, and stated that what's best about the game are the shortcuts into sewers. Off broken freeways onto skyscraper rooftops and other unexpected places. Camouflage in the urban settings of San Francisco, these shortcuts can cut players far ahead of opponents or if they blow it and crash. A shortcut can set them back to the end of the pack. Either way, it adds a thrill of discovery not usually found in driving games and makes the risk well worth it reviews for the nintendo 64 port range from mixed to a uh, laudatory <laughs> um for example while electronic gaming monthly's um craig kojawa called it a nice looking racer with major problems co-reviewer kelly records Rickards. Um, described it as fun to play and a s solid addition to the Nintendo 64's already huge lib large library of races. And Next Generation concluded that SF Rush is just short of brilliant. It's a fun, challenging game that keeps you playing over and over again. Critics widely applauded the game's numerous hidden shortcuts, exhilarating and unrealistically high jumps. And inclusion of a multiplayer mode with a solid frame rate, GamePro remarked, Never mind your heart and death-defying leaps will make you leave your stomach in San Francisco. Uh, the Nintendo 64 versions control were more controversial. Next Generation and IGN both praised them as tight and balanced. But other critics experienced problems. GamePro which gave the game four, a 4.5 out of 5 for fun factor and graphics, but a 3.04 control said the analog stick just isn't responsive and the, and there's no way to power slide. John um, John um hold on. John Ricky Artie and Crispin 
Boyer of Electronic Gaming Monthly both found the brakes so ineffectual that they had to put the car in reverse to handle turns. While Rickards said that the control takes getting used to, but uh, ultimately, ultimately works. The game's soundtrack was widely um, derided as the worst part of the game, though Next Generation deemed it enjoyable, and some critics found that a few of the tunes are so um, strident uh, that they add a humorous camp value to the game. Critics almost unanimous, unanimously said the Nintendo 64 port satisfactorily emulated the arcade version and praised the added console exclusive content. However, GameSpot concluded that while the port was uh, as faithful as it could be given the limitations of consumer hardware, it could not fully recreate the feel that sitting in the arcade cabinet gave. <clears throat> By contrast, IGN um, opened that because of all its new options and modes, um, SF Rush for Nintendo 64 feels like a whole new game, a much better game design for the home. The reviewer particularly noted how the additional secrets and the removal of the need to insert quarters more strongly encourages the player to explore. Um, <clears throat> um, reviewing the PlayStation version, French uh, magazine player, player Run praised the better steering when it comes to sharp turns, but criticized the graphics. Spanish magazine placed Planet Station praised the jumps, speed, music, and multiple game modes, but criticized the graphics that are inconsistent with the frame frame rate and the minimal distinction between the playable cars um <clears throat> let's see um i um all right let's go to um let's see let's go to all right we're gonna go to the second one right here um, Rush, Rush 2 Extreme Racing USA is a racing vi video game developed by Atari Games and published by Midway Games exclusively for the Nintendo 64 video game console. It was released on November 10, 1998 in North America and February 4th, 1999 in Europe. Rush 2 Extreme Racing USA is a sequel to San Francisco Rush Extreme Racing and the second game in the Rush series. Um, okay. So the canceled ports. In an advertisement for sweepstakes for San Francisco Rush, it announced that the second prize winner winners would receive the N64 or PlayStation version of Rush 2 in certain in a certain commercial a Windows 95 port, port was um, touted. However, the game was only released on N64. Um, 
Um, the game is notable for the high level of detail in the recreations of the various cities and states used and for its fast arcade style physics. The game also features a two-player mode and rumble pack support. Hidden shortcuts and jumps add to the replay value of the game. Mountain Dew soda cans appear in the game and can be collected to unlock content. Ooh. Mountain Dew wasn't... I didn't even know it was featured in this game. Wow. All right, we go to the reception right here. Um, so, game rankings gave it 78%. Councils Plus gave it 83%. Game Informer, um, 8.75 out of 10. Game Pro... Um, five and a half stars. Game Revolution C minus. Game Spot five point one out of ten. Hyper eighty five percent. IGN eight point nine out of ten. And sixty four magazine, um seventy five percent. Next generation, um four stars. Nintendo Power seven point three out of ten. The game received favorable reviews according to the review aggregation website game rankings ign called the game a bit on the cheesy side despite criticism with the presentation and stated that it had generic generic menus and the same overall front end as san francisco rush extreme racing next generation called it a worthy successor to the original okay um now I know there's sequels. I know there's sequels to um to this rush game, but I may not. I don't know if I'm gonna have. To, well, wait. Hold on. I'm gonna do. Hang on a second. I'm gonna do. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I'm gonna do cruising USA. Um, you know what? Yeah, I'll do cruising USA, and I'll try to do. Cruising World Two. It's gonna be a. It's probably gonna be a two-hour episode, unfortunately. But hey, at least I'm trying to get things done here. So here we go. Um. So hey, San Francisco Rush 2049. Yes, San Francisco Rush 2049 is a racing video game developed by, um, uh, developed and published by rather by Atari Games for arcades. It was ported to the N60, Nintendo 64 Game Boy um, Color and Dreamcast by Midway Games. It was released in 2000 on September 7th for North America and November 17th for Europe. It is the third game in the Rush series and the sequel to San Francisco Rush Extreme Racing and Rush Extreme 2, you know, Rush 2 Extreme Racing USA. It is also the last game in the Rush series to be set in um, the city of San Francisco and the last release on a Nintendo console. It also receives, it also serves rather as the final game of the Atari games label, which was retired shortly after the arcade release. The Dreamcast version was later re-released as part of Midway Arcade Treasures 3 
for the PlayStation 2, Xbox, and GameCube, and later Windows as part of Midway Arcade Treasures Deluxe Edition. Okay. All right, let's go to the gameplay. Okay, the game features an arcade-style physics um, engine. Tracks are based around a futuristic representation of San Francisco. Cars have been have, have the ability to extend wings from their size, allowing for mid-air adjustments. This feature is a product of science fiction setting and as such is not seen in other entries in the Rush series. As with previous titles in the Rush franchise, Rush 2049 features a stunt mode in which the player scores points for complex mid-air maneuvers and successful landings. The game also includes a multiplayer deathmatch battle mode and race mode for up to four players. There are six race um, tracks, four stunt um, arenas, eight battle arenas, and one unlockable obstacle course named the Gauntlet. Um, various card types and um, upgrades are unlockable throughout the game, though um, cheat codes offer instant achievement of these elements. The single player race mode encourages exploration of high difficulty off track shortcuts, creating a risk and reward structure to the gameplay. The game, the game's soundtrack mostly comprises big beat, break beat, and drum and bass. Arcade game. Um, the arcade version was an eight-player game, a sit-down machine with force feedback, steering wheels, gear shifts, and three pedals, gas, brake, and clutch, a telephone-like keypad to the right of the steering wheel gave players the option of choosing a, a, a pin and allowed them to earn points to unlock new cars and tracks. The machine used a 3D FX Voodoo 3 graphics card. Um, okay. The original San Francisco 20, the original San Francisco Rush 2049 was released in June 1999. This version features of roster of five playable tracks and eight different cars, with more unlocked as the player progresses through the game. In each stage, the player must win, must race seven other CPU-controlled cars. The racetracks contain a total of 100 coins, which, when found, unlock new cars and paint jobs. In 2000, Midway released an upgraded version tournament edition that fixed bugs and added two new tracks, four cars, and new shortcuts. It had it also had the Ability to connect to the external server. Um, uh, via a T1 network connection. And play against 
other players in an online tournament. The upgrade was recalled soon after as mid mid midway shut down its online tournament network, although it may still be found in a few sites that retain it, such as VideoBob, Starbase, Starbase um, Arcade, and San Rafael, um, which was heavily involved in play testing as a result of their proximity to the mid way west campus in 2003 betson enterprises released an upgrade called san francisco rush 2049 special edition which brought back tracks cars and shortcuts from tournament edition but removed online due to midway tournament network being shut down this game was the final game released to carry the atari games moniker prior to the company being renamed midway games west later that year with the special edition version released being the final midway arcade game altogether released uh two years after midway shut down their arcade division and just before midway games west shut down that same year okay soundtrack list Rush 2049 team, no, yeah, Rush 2049 soundtrack mostly comprises genres of big beat, um, break beat, drum and bass, and techno. All arcade songs were composed and produced by Mike Henry, while Barry Leach composed and produced for the Nintendo 64 and Dreamcast versions, uh, which have almost entirely unique soundtracks the n64 version contains 12 music tracks almost uh almost all of which are exclusive to that version and do not feature in the arcade versions the dreamcast version includes 20 music tracks many of them um many of which rather are the same as the arcade versions and some of which are exclusive to that version. The arcade version includes um, eight music tracks, six of which are used during gameplay. Um, okay, uh, let's see. All right, let's go to reception. I don't think I'm gonna have time for ports. Yeah, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to go to ports, so let's go to reception. All right, so game rankings, um, 83% on the Dreamcast, um, Metacritic, 84 out of 100, and, of course, um, GBC, 50%, N64, 85%, 86 out of 100. Um. All game gave Dreamcast four and a half stars, GBC um two stars, SNET Game Center um for N64 is eight out of ten, EGM six out of ten for Dreamcast, GBC seven out of ten, eight point five out of ten N64, Game Informer um seven out of ten. For Dreamcast, 
Game Pro, five and a half, five and a half stars. N64, five and a half stars as well. Game Revolution, A minus. GameSpot, eight out of ten. 3.6 out of 10 for GBC. Um, Dreamcast is uh, 8 out of 10. 7.4 out of 10 for N64. Uh, GameSpy. 6.5 out of 10 for Dreamcast. GBC, 6 out of 10. N64, 9 out of 10. N64... Um, for yeah, N64 magazine, N64 is 91%. Next generation, it for Dreamcast, five stars, Nintendo Power, six out of ten. Um, six out of ten, GBC, N64, 7.6 out of ten. Of course, the Dreamcast and N64 versions received very favorable reviews, according to the re review aggregation website Metacritic. Jeff um, Ladrigan of NextGen said of the former console version of, of the fully great games just got even better. Dreamcast version was a finalist for the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences. Sciences 2000 Council Racing Game of the Year Award, which went to SSX. Um, SSX. Um, all right, all right, let's go to let's go to another one cruising USA. Hold on, how much time we got here? Okay, we should be good. Cruising USA is an arcade racing game originally released in 1994. It was developed, published, and distributed by Midway Games. It is the first game in the cruising series and features races set in locations across the continental United States. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Um, okay. Cruising USA is branded as the first release of the Ultra 64 platform collaboration between Midway and Nintendo when it based when it was based on the Midway V Unit arcade hardware, predating the Unit 64 Killer Instinct arcade um, hardware, which would become the Nintendo 64. The arcade version was critically and commercially successful, drawing favorable comparisons to Sega's Daytona USA. The Nintendo 64 version received poor reviews, but was also commercially successful. It was released on Wii's Virtual Console in Europe on March 28, um, 2008, making it the first third-party developed Nintendo 64 game to be released on the service. It became available on the Virtual Council in North America on March 31st, 2008. Um, 
Like in most racing games, players race down one-way courses consisting of streets vaguely based on real-life locations. While racing, they do their best to avoid various road hazards such as oncoming traffic and construction. Players chose between several, no, excuse me, seven different cars. Um, seven different cars with either an automatic or manual transmission. The environments include Golden State Park in San Francisco and Washington, D.C. In each race, players must must reach first place to advance to the next track, and there is a time limit to reach the goal, which can be um, extended by driving through checkpoints. If the player does not finish before the timer reaches zero, the game ends unless there is a continue available. Um, unlike most racing games, there is an, there is the option to change the music by pressing the music button. The four vehicles featured in the game are generic vehicles based on their real-life counterparts, which consist of a 1963 Chevrolet Corvette labeled as a 1963 muscle car, a 1991 Ferrari um, Testarossa, labeled as the um, Apollo, no, Ital Italia um, P69, a 1940 Ford V8 D Deluxe, labeled as La Bamba. <laughs> I remember this song. <laughs> but I, I can't sing it, man. So I can't really sing that shit. So don't expect me to sing that. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and a Hyundai HCD um, E-Poch II labeled as Devastation 4. <laughs> the Devastator 4. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> um, bonus cars consist of a 1991 Chevrolet Caprice police car, a school bus, oh you sh oh shit, uh, a cheese bus, <laughs> and a Jeep Wrangler labeled as an all-terrain vehicle. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna go into development. Um, so. Reception game rankings um gave N64 50 51%. Um all game for arcade it gave is three stars and sixty-four two stars. Edge four out of ten. EGM gives N64 5.25 out of ten. Eurogamer five out of ten. Game Informer 7.5, no, 7.75 out of 10, rather. Game Revolution, C minus, GameSpot, N64, 6.1 out of 10. IGN, N64, 4 out of 10. Next Generation, Arcade, 5 stars, N64, 1 star. N Nintendo Life, um, 3 stars. Nintendo Power, 3.13 out of 5. Okay, the arcade version of 
Cruising USA was critically and commercially successful in the United States. Replay reported Cruising USA to be the second most popular deluxe arcade game in 1994. And Playmeter listed the title to be the second most popular arcade in the in December 1994. It was one of America's top five best-selling arcade video games of 1994, receiving a Diamond Award from the American Amusement Machine Association. It went on to be America's highest-grossing dedicated arcade cabinet of 1995. Next Generation reviewed the arcade version of the game and stated that while less graphically impressive than its rivals. Cruising USA is the outrun sequel Sega should have done and is our, our pick for the driving crown. The Nintendo 64 version met with mostly negative reviews and earned a game ranking score of 50.63% based on 16 reviews. Um, Reviews widely criticized the jerky frame rate, poor collision detection, and music, which they said to be both uh, stylistically inappropriate and poorly composed. Um, how is it inappropriate, man? Like, are you, ser are you serious? I'm not even going to get into this shit. Anyway, um, a reviewer for Next Generation concluded that this half-hearted Rough shot, rough shot. Um, conversion is exactly what Nintendo sixty four doesn't need. Um, GameSpot's um Jeff um Gerstman and GamePro's Air Hendricks um had more mixed reactions than most. Gerstman praised the controls when using the Nintendo sixty four controllers analog stick, but concluded the game to be a major disappointment. Air Hendrix, while heavily criticizing elements like the pop-up in the two-player mode and lack of variety in general, said it is essentially a faithful conversion of the arcade game and worth trying out as a rental. Though not an outright purchase, um, Pierre Schneider of IGN and Craig Kujawa of Electronic Gaming Monthly both said the two-player split-screen mode is the highlight of the game, while noting that the frame rate problems are even worse in this mode. Uh, Kujawa's co-reviewer Dean Hager said that the game certainly fails to show off the processing power of the N64, and Schneider said it, it, said it lacked excitement and was probably doomed to be the nader of N64 racing games for many years to come. Despite the negative reviews, the, N the Nintendo 64 version of the Cruising USA saw strong sales thanks largely to a combination of the council's popularity and the small library of games available for it at the time. It is the sixth best-selling video game of the 1996 Christmas shopping season, according to TRST data, with three of the five higher selling games of also being Nintendo 64 games. Reviewing the virtual console release in Nintendo Life, uh, Damian McFerrin echoed 
um, many of the original criticisms about jerky frame rate, poor collision detection, and lack of speed and excitement, and that and said that even the arcade original is a fairly poor game. And lastly, we are going to go to Cruising World. <clears throat> All right, Cruising World is the 1996 sequel to the 1994 arcade racer Cruising USA. Cruising World allows players to race on various tracks around the world. The game also features more cars than Cruising USA. This game introduced stunts to the Cruising series. They serve to dodge obstacles, take close curves, and so. If the stunt makes the vehicle fly in the air, the game gives the player extra extra seconds of time. Uh, the game also uses small rocket boosts to speed up. <clears throat> All right, the gameplay. Cruising World features the same core gameplay as its predecessor in that the player races on different tracks under a time limit to reach the goal, passing checkpoints along the way to help extend this time limit. The races take place in different countries around the world, such as um, Hawaii, Japan, um, Australia, China, Kenya, Egypt, Moscow, Germany, Italy, France, England, Mexico, New York City, and Florida. The cars now have the ability to perform stunts during races such as uh, wheelies, which give short speed bursts and aerial flips, which deduct seconds from the final race time. Um, allowing for allowing for the player to achieve a better position in the records table. Should the player win all stages, including Florida, the car would be taken by a space shuttle for a trip to the moon. The Nintendo 64 version adds an extra track on the moon, which is unlocked once the player reaches the end of the cruise the world mode and also features an exclusive championship mode in which players race on circuit tracks set in the game's different stages rather than the arcade's road tracks competing for development, um, competing for points, which allow the player to unlock upgrades for their cars. Um, the, develop the developers of, the of this game sent artists on a round the trip around the Round the world trip to digitally capture sites and major tourist attractions. The development of the Nintendo 64 version started in 1996 after the development of the Nintendo 64 version of Cruising USA. Eugene Jarvis had admitted that the Cruising USA port was not good, so they promised the game to be an arcade perfect port. Eurocom took the Cruising license and decided to spend more time on the game than in Cruising USA. In early 1997, Nintendo announced that Cruising World would be coming to the Nintendo 64 in the fall, but the game was silently delayed until 1998. Reception. Game rankings gives it 62.76. All game gave the arcade 
um five and a half stars and 64 um three stars cvg one out of five egm six six out of ten game pro three and a half stars game revolution b minus game spot n64 5.9 out of 10 ign 6.5 out of 10 next generation um arcade three stars n64 two stars nintendo power um 7.7 out of 10 um the cincinnati inquirer n64 um four and a half stars all right, the game was displayed at the 1996 AMOA show where it won the award for most in innovative new title. Electronic Gaming Monthly named it a runner-up for Arcade Game of the Year. A next-generation critic commented that, like, um, Cruising USA, Cruising World has an unsurpassed sense of arcade style driving you can sit down drive fast knock cars off the road kill animals in a funny road kill kind of way and get into chaotic multi-car collisions all without knowing too much about video games or for that matter driving at the same time he found this a shortcoming since the game is very quickly mastered he praised the track design as being more elaborate and requiring more skill than its predecessor, but said the pop-in remains as bad as before. <clears throat> Hold on. All right. Um... The Nintendo 64 port was met with mixed reviews, no mixed receptions, um, excuse me, as game rankings gave it a, a score of 62.76%. Next Generation reviewed the Nintendo 64 version of the game, rating it two stars out of five, and stated that the real problem is that the game demands only minimal technique and gets old quickly. All right. Um. Okay. I think I'm gonna actually um. Before I even wrap this, before I wrap this show up, actually, I want to go to um. I want to go to this thing that I like to. I want to go to this next um. Thing that I like to call. Podcast Juice Reviews. Yes. Um, as I said, I am going to be doing a review on a podcast that I was listening to recently. Um, and this podcast has to do with You Are Glowing Podcast. And, of course, for those of you who may not know what that show is, I ain't going to fill you in right about now before I wrap up here. So, there you go. Um, so, let's see. Um, 
All right. Now, um, let's see. You are glowing. Okay. So, now for those of you who may not know what that is, this is basically, this is basically, um, a sh- this is basically, um, I'll read the synopsis. So, welcome to your going podcast. We're, and this is this is hosted by Coco and Cindy. On this podcast, you will be shining advice, laughs, stories, and tips to keep you glowing. Join in on our weekly conversations as we discuss the topics of self improvement and wellness. Yes. Um. What I like about this show right here is that it. It it actually allows you to keep um, track with um, mental health, which is the which is basically you know self help. Which, by the way, is actually it's actually interesting in a way that you know you want to um, make sure that your mental health is in check. Kind of like when I do mental health check in on my other show. Um, um, off the meat rack chains, New York podcast, by the way, which is very important. I think it's, uh, it's just, a, it's just some mechanisms of an idea of how to take care of yourself. Some tips on, on, on how to, you know, you know, cope with the trauma and all that other stuff. Um, I was listening to this one episode where um, Coco was talking about how she deleted her um, social media and how it basically, um, you know, social media could actually put a lot of pressure on people to actually, you know, deactivate their shit. But, you know, and, you know, the reason why I don't see myself deleting my social media is because I have three podcast shows that I'm doing now. So that's the reason why I'm still around. I'm not gonna let nobody. I'm not gonna let nobody chase me off and shit, man. So you know what I'm saying. So overall, man, you are glowing. Podcast is actually informative. It 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 teaches you life lessons. Um, of course, and it teaches you the importance on how mental health is very important. And and we need more shows like this, though, man. Because, you know, people um, actually commit suicide and all that other stuff. You hear stories about this all the time. So, you know what I'm saying? So, shout-outs to Coco and Sydney, Cindy um, for You Are Glowing Podcast. And, you know, make sure you check out their episodes on Spotify and whatever you get your podcast and also you can follow the podcast on you know instagram as well so there you go right there and that's gonna do it for me right here that's gonna do it for me right here right right here so you like what you heard in today's episode um please feel free to make a charitable donation to my cash that was dollar sign g money stacks 555 um, also, um, 
it's dollar sign capital G lowercase M O N E Y capital S lowercase T A C K Z and and of course you don't need a lot of money to actually um show um support don't worry about having a lot of money it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what the amount is it's not about that um yeah it's not about that though you know what i'm saying um so yeah okay so um Another segment that I'm going to go to. I'm not going to have time for podcasts on free game mechanisms today. I am going to go to the main thing, um, which is I am going to go to the main shit, which is stream choices on the go. Make sure you follow me on 17 Live. G Money Stacks, Queens, New York. And also follow the show Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast on Instagram as well as Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast. Of course, Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast, the sports edition show. Um, I'm going to do a makeup recording for um, Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast maybe tomorrow um, because I didn't record on yesterday because of the Mets Diamondbacks baseball game. Um so so um and you can also follow my other show which is which is which made it to a year um off the meat rat chains New York podcast. Of course make sure you you um catch up on the new and previous episodes that's already already been dropped um as well as the other shows that i mentioned of course make sure you listen you stream and watch the episodes and tell me your thoughts tell us your thoughts on on the episodes and the topics and the stuff that we reviewed today as well as anything else so there you go right there um, and you can also follow me on the gram as well on my primary handle, which is GMoneyStacks555 in Queens, New York. Make sure you turn on your notifications because I will be doing more Instagram lives for podcast recordings. All right. So <clears throat> now, of course, the most important thing here is to, you know, leave a voice message. Okay, leave a voice message for me if you have any um, questions and topic ideas, um, and if you have any um, anybody that that you want me to review, like a, like music artists, like rappers, singers, um, games, podcasts, um, of course, of course, movies, TV shows that you want me to review and shit like that. Of course, you could put that in the voice message of Anchor, um, which is where you can go to the link in bio where it says Linktree slash Meticulous Vodges Podcast. You're gonna see the name of the you're gonna see the name of the show. You click on there and you're gonna see the word message. You click on the word message and you record your voice message on there as well. 
So there you go, right there. And speaking of anchor, um, that's where we're going to begin. Make sure you subscribe to all the audio streaming platforms that I just that I am going to mention right now. You can even download these apps to your iPhones, your Android phones, iPads, your your Android tablets. Not to mention, you can you can even download it to laptops too. Um, starting with Anchor, Audible, Audacity, Amazon Music, Breaker, Castbox FM, Deezer, Listen Notes, Moon FM, Podcast, Player FM, um, Pocket Cast, Podfriend, Podo Polo, Podorama, Podcast Index, Podcast Addict, Podchaser. Podverse, Reason FM, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts. Don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Podchaser, Podfriend, and Spotify. That will be appreciated. And also, um, don't forget to listen to the Meticulous Vodges podcast review show episodes on Radio Public. Um iHeartRadio, the number one app for music, radio, and podcasts. Make sure you follow the show, Meticulous Fodgers Podcast Review Show on iHeartRadio, alongside with um, Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcasts, Sports Edition Show, and, of course, Off the Meat Rack Chains New York Podcast on there as well. Make sure you listen, stream, and watch. All right? Last but not least, the YouTube. Make sure you grab that subscribe button and tap the noti noti bell so you can be reminded of when the show goes in the air via live stream. Of course, there's going to be more videos, upcoming episodes, previous episodes for you folks out there to um to actually to actually um, catch up on. Um, Of course, download the episodes. Download the episodes. Don't forget to rate. Be sure to tell a friend to another friend. Share the episodes. Share the videos. Of course, make sure you um, spread the word. Word of mouth is important. And of course, share the podcast with your wives, your your husbands, your boyfriends, your girlfriends, your friends, even your college classmates, and of course, um, the people that you're cool with from work. So there you go, right there you go, right there. Of course, like I said, make sure you subscribe to the Meticulous Vodges podcast, um, YouTube channel page. Um, of course, like I said, spread the word. It's important to me and, and yeah, we need more, um, subscribers. We need more downloads. Of course, we need more, um, we need more view. We we need more viewers on the Instagram live feed and of course, um, YouTube right here. So that's going to do it for me. I'm your man, G Money Stacks. 
Thank you very much for listening and tuning in to the fucking 60th episode of Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast. And like I said, I'm like I said, I do apologize for the delay. I was um basically all over the place mentally. But but remember this. Follow your dreams. Do what makes you happy. Hard work pays off. Don't rush the process. And the grind does not stop. It does not fucking stop, man. So you keep going. You fall You fall down, you get back right up. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. Don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do. And, of course, don't let anybody um, own your talent. Don't let anybody um, take away your creative control of your craft, whether it's podcasting, uh, radio personalities, whatever it may be. And, and of course, ownership is important when it comes to creating a podcast show. All right? Um, yeah. So that's it, man. I hope you guys had a nice weekend. I'll see you folks next time in the next episode. Peace and one love and have yourselves a good night.
Check this out, folks. If you like what you heard, I need your help on a couple of things. I need you to go follow the show's page on Instagram, Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast, alongside with Off the Meat Rat Chains New York Podcast. And you can follow me also on my primary handle on the gram, which is GMoneyStacks555 in Queens, New York, for more postings of each episode with the topics. Also, go to YouTube and grab the subscribe button. Enable alerts of the notification bell so you can be reminded of when the show goes on the air live via live stream. More video content. Like, comment on the episodes with the topics, upcoming episodes, previous episodes that will automatically be posted to the YouTube channel page. Share the videos, spread the word, be sure to download your favorite episodes, tell a friend to tell another friend, share the podcast with audio streaming platforms with your friends, and also tell us what you think about the episodes and the topics and and what you thought about the um, topics as well and what topics you think we should talk about next to review. Um. I'm G Money Stacks. Thank you for listening to the show. Peace and one love.